0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. But The title of my message this morning that we're going to look at is simply called this. There's purpose in your question. There's purpose in in your question, have you ever heard someone ask the question or, or someone say this, God, where are you? God, where did you go? I mean, if, if let's be honest. I mean, let's be honest in this place. I mean, this is church. We can be honest here. All right. You know, you know we all know over this last couple of years and everything that we've been through, I reckon that every single one of us have either heard, said, or thought those words. And certainly tonight, there's going to be a whole bunch of Queenslanders all around our state. They're going to be going and asking the question, God, where were you when we needed you most and we lost you in New South Wales? And all the Blue supporters said, Amen. come on, there's more, there's like four of us. This is a, this is a revival, people. Hey, let me pray on that note. Dearly Father, we thank you that your favorite team is in New South Wales and Melbourne Storm. And now, God, most of all, we thank you. God, with all the fun and the laughter, God, we thank you that most of all that you are here. God, we have not come to just hear from a person. God, we have not come to hear from me. God, but we've already encountered you through worship. And God, our hearts are ready. God, we are, our ears are attuned. Holy Spirit, speak to us now speak through your words, stir us, and challenge us so that we can simply to grow and become more like you. Jesus, we thank you for what we get to do this morning. So God, in these moments together, God, let us simply hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a word that that we probably don't use a lot in life. Certainly, I reckon, in the Western world, and probably certainly for many, many years, it's not a word that we tend to use. It's the word lament. Many of you are going, yep, cool, it's a great word. No idea what it means. Let me define what it means, because I also didn't know what it means. So that's we'll all learn together this morning. The dictionary defines lament as this. A passionate expression of grief or sorrow. See, we live, in a, we live in a society and we live in a culture that is hardwired for happiness. I mean, we live in a society where we don't like talking about sad things. We don't like watching sad movies unless you're a lady and you like watching rom-coms or like, you know, those kind of movies. I mean, most of us were hardwired against sadness and grief and all of those emotions that go along with it. And the the interesting thing is that it's also crept inside the church. You know, we can talk about being happy and clappy and, you know, full of faith, and we can say things like, the best is yet to come. And you know what I believe? I believe all of those things are true. I think that there should be something different about our lives as Christians, because we have a hope no matter what happens. You know, that we can be joyful, we can be full of faith, and the best is yet to come. See, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but what happens when you go through hard times? See, as I've been, I've been mulling over this for probably four or five months, and it wasn't until now where I've actually had an opportunity to, 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 for us to look at this together, but But I feel like God's wanting to say to us this morning, he's wanting to encourage us that that we aren't the only ones that have ever asked the question, God, where are you? We're not the only ones who have pleaded with him and gone, God, where have you gone? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to jump into a passage. It's found in Mark chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles or a a phone with with the app on it this morning, why don't you jump in? We're going to jump into Mark chapter 5. But before we read it together, I want to kind of give us a little bit of context, a little bit of a discussion around what's kind of going on at this moment. You know, if you've been around church life long enough, Mark chapter 5, if you don't know what it is, you will remember the passage in just a few moments. It's the, the passage where more often than not, a preacher like myself will stand at the front and we will talk about the woman who's been, had the issue of blood. For 12 years, she's nonstop, 24-7 had a menstrual cycle. And, and, and so because of this, she's lost everything. But Jesus comes in and heals her. You know that story? Well, well actually, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the whole story, which actually isn't just about this lady, but it's bookended with another story. And it's about a young man called Jairus. And so we're going we're to pick it up in verse 21. And it says this When Jesus had begun crossing, sorry, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat from one side of the lake, A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, Jairus, came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Let's just pause there for a moment. Quick question, quick survey. Did the religious leaders like Jesus? No. I mean, you know, the religious leaders, these same religious leaders, the ones that dragged Jesus before Pontius Pilate and and, and coerced uh, Pontius Pilate into declaring that, that Jesus would ultimately crucify. What I find so interesting is just a couple of verses or a couple of chapters pre to this moment, we find these same religious leaders declaring and telling and saying that Jesus and accusing Jesus that he was being possessed by demons. Now, I've been accused by lots of different things in my life. There was the moment when I was 19 years old, and and I was driving home one night, and I didn't realize that the car headlights behind me were my dad's car headlights. And I may or may not have been going a little excessively over the speed limit. (laughs) Statute of limitations. and, and And so I may have got home, and I may have been accused by my father for breaking the speed limit. I mean, I might have also been accused by shedding an odd tear or two or three in our church. It's not funny to laugh. All right, right, you know. See, we've all been accused of a lot of different things, but the one thing I've never been accused by is being possessed by demons. Thank goodness for that one. See, it was so easy, so easy for the for the religious leaders not to like Jesus, and they didn't like him. And they wanted nothing to do with him. And yet I find it so fascinating in this story that we're only two verses into that who was at the falls at the feet of Jesus? Jairus. And what was Jairus' job? He was a religious leader. And here was this religious leader, this synagogue leader, falling at the feet of Jesus, not just anywhere, but in front of an enormous big crowd. And as Jesus falls, sorry, Jairus falls in front of Jesus' feet, Jairus is saying to Jesus and to the whole crowd, he's showing them who holds the power and who has authority. You see, Jairus has no doubt. He's no had no doubt that that there's something different about Jesus. See, he'd heard so many different stories, so many different things about this this guy by the name of Jesus. No doubt that because Jairus' synagogue was in Capernaum, he'd seen also what, what Jesus had seen firsthand. In fact, in nine different stories in a few chapters leading up to this point, we see a whole lot of different stories of where Jesus is, in fact, there's two or three different moments where the Bible just simply says that Jesus healed a lot of people. Not just like one or two, not just four or five, but Jesus heals a lot of people. And then he casts demons out of a whole other lot of people. So there's all of these stories, and no doubt Jairus had seen and Jairus had heard, but Jairus had seen firsthand that Jesus, there was something different about him. So by this point, Jairus has seen and Jairus has heard that there's something different about Jesus. So let's recap. Okay, there's a really, really, really big cure out. And Jairus, the religious leader, comes and falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. This verse 23 picks it up and says this. And he pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be She will live. Jairus here. Remember, Jairus is a synagogue leader, he's a religious leader. And, and, and as a synagogue leader, as a religious leader, he was going, He was able to go into the inner parts of the temple where, where normal people weren't able to access. He could go into those places. Jairus being a synagogue leader, he was a man of high standing in the society. So no doubt he would have been somewhat wealthy, but he was also highly influential. So there was no doubt to anyone that, that Jairus had the means and the way to get his daughter healed But she remains sick. See, no doubt Jairus would have cried out to God and asked the question, God, where are you? God, why? God, where did you go? So in a moment of desperation, Jairus humbles himself and he comes to Jesus and he drops on his knees and his face before this 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 kind of like the arch enemy the nemesis that he had in front of this huge enormous big crowd who no doubt would have recognized obviously Jesus would also Jairus and here he is falling on his face and he and the Bible says it says that he pleads with Jesus and this this happens verse 24 so Jesus went with him. Stop. Just stop right there. Did the religious leaders like Jesus? No. And here's one, throws himself at Jesus' feet and it says that Jesus went with him. You know what I love? No matter who you are or what you've done, If we call out to Jesus, he will make time for you. Except it doesn't mean that it always pans out like we would like it to pan out. Because verse 25 through verse 24, I'm not going to read it this morning, but verse 25 through 34 talk about the the woman with the issue of blood. So here we have this, this religious leader that doesn't like Jesus falling on his face in front of Jesus and, and pleading with him, come and heal my daughter who is very, very, very sick. And so Jesus goes, okay, I will go with you. And then Jesus gets sidetracked. There's a woman that comes and and we know the story. And, you know, there's this woman with the issue of blood. And it's this amazing story of Jesus noticing a lady that no one else wanted to notice. Jesus notices a lady that is ostracized and excommunicated and rejected because of her physical and health conditions. See, no one wanted to know her. No one wanted to be near her, but Jesus heals her, and then he calls her daughter. And he says to her, I heal you, and I want to establish in front of everyone that you are my daughter. I mean, this right here, this is good news, isn't it? I mean, Jesus has just healed this lady who's who's been who's been rejected by her community, who cannot hold her husband, hold her kids, isn't allowed to go to the temple, isn't allowed to do all of these things. I mean, it's good news, she's healed. She was broken, she's now whole. That's good news, isn't it, church? But then this happens, verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, now who's he speaking to? Speaking to the lady, and he's speaking to the crowd. While Jesus is still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. And they say, your daughter is dead. So why bother the teacher anymore? In the middle of this miracle devastating news comes. Have you ever noticed that that life doesn't always seem fair? No, okay, no one else. All right, that's good, just me. All right, anyone else notice that life just doesn't seem fair? I mean, like a couple of weeks ago, New South Wales lost the state of origin. I thought it would have been fair that they could, like, Queensland could share a little bit of winning. They will tonight. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to say this morning that, you know, God uses all things for the good who God, you know, who love Him according according to His purpose. You know, I'm supposed to say, hey, just chin up, have faith, just keep going, you'll get there, God's with you. I know I'm supposed to say all those things, and I also want to say that they are true. But life isn't fair. And life doesn't always make sense. I mean, imagine being Jairus in this story. Huh. You got in first. Huh. Imagine being Jairus in this story. All you want to do is you just want to get Jesus to your daughter, and he makes her heal and whole. I mean, imagine being Jairus in this moment. I mean, you know, Jesus has just got sidetracked, and he's done a miracle, and that is amazing for the woman. And and. But I wonder if Jairus was a little bit annoyed and a little bit frustrated and a little bit angry. I wonder if he thought, "Hey Jesus, that's great." You know, like like I don't want to be a jerk because like that is really really good for her. But 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 like I, I kind of got in first. Like like if there's a queue. Like I was at the front of the queue. Like you know, like boxing day sales. Like I was at the front of the queue. She wasn't even at the queue. Like like I got here first, Jesus. I mean, it's not fair that that she snuck in and she stole a little bit of time with you because that's what she did. She she snuck in behind Jesus and just touched his clothes. Hoping no one would notice because she had faith that maybe if she could just get in the proximity of Jesus, maybe he could change her life. But now Jairus' daughter is dead. Jairus, the religious leader. Now he humbles himself and he's fallen at the feet of Jesus, the kind of like the enemy. In front of this whole big crowd, he humbles himself. And I can imagine that moment when he throws himself on the floor. The whole crowd knows who Jesus is, knows who Jairus is, and they suck air together at what they're witnessing. He knew that Jesus could do what no one else could do. But on the way, Jesus gets distracted he gets distracted with someone who's less worthy. He gets distracted by this dirty sinner, this lady, this outcast. She's not supposed to be there. She's not allowed to be there. In fact, by the law, by, by the, by the law she was actually supposed to be taken outside the walls of, the, of the, the city and stoned to death. That's with rocks, stoned to death, just for anyone who's wondering. But Jesus stops for this outcast, for this one that he's not supposed to, because he's supposed to be coming to see his daughter, not to see this lady. He's supposed to see his daughter. I mean, Jairus is, I'm sure Jairus is, but Jesus, I'm the well-known, I'm the respected, kind of I'm the guy that people want to be around with and you're supposed to come to me first because that's me and I got in first and she didn't. I wonder in those moments whether Jairus in his heart Called out, God, where are you, God? Where, God? Where did you go, God? When I needed you most, when when I had done everything that I could do, I'm mean, going to humble myself in front of everyone for crying out loud, and and now you said that you'd be there and you weren't. See, some of us wonder and think that just because Jesus is silent in our situation, that it seems too late. That maybe God is absent. That he's missed you because he's got distracted by the crowd. But verse 36 continues the story. Overhearing what was said. What was said? Your daughter is dead. That even rhymes. Uh, overhearing what was said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. Come on, church, what would your response be to that? You know what you can do with that, Jesus? Jesus simply says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. With people crying and wailing aloud. You see, I said at the start, our society, we don't do grief and sadness and sorrow well. I mean, we, we're kind of hardwired to go, you know what, we don't like talking about it. You know, we don't even know what to say when people do talk about it. We just like to pretend like, let's just, if we sweep it under the carpet, then it will all go away and it will all be fine. See, we don't know how to sit in our lament. We don't know how to sit in our sadness. We don't know how to sit in our grief. And we can feel the pressure of trying to be positive. Yeah, we feel the pressure of trying to be up and, and, and kind of let's just brush it off and let's just keep going. And I wonder if why that's one of the reasons why we're so weary after the last couple of years. We've tried to just pick ourselves up again and keep going and not, as, not acknowledge where we are and where we've been. And let's just keep going because we just got to keep going. And like, if we just, we just got to keep putting on the persona and the image of like, we got it all together, we're happy and it's awesome and it's fantastic and it's great. And but deep down inside, we don't know what always to do. This morning, I've just got six really quick thoughts for us. First thought is this. We all walk through seasons of suffering. Second thought, asking God why is vital to making sense of suffering. Because it's an important part of processing our emotions. Thirdly, Jesus is present with us in our suffering. Fourthly, God is not the source of our suffering. See, I once heard someone say, Not all things are God sent, but all things are God used if we allow Him. Fifth, suffering grows our strength. And lastly, God is the source of our Let me rewind to verse 36 that we looked at just a few minutes ago. So news is sent that Jairus' daughter is dead. And Jesus' response to that is simply, don't be afraid, just believe. wonder what went through Jairus' mind at that moment. Believe in what? Jesus, my daughter is dead. And you said you were gonna be there and you weren't. Jesus, you did you, you, I, I, I did all of this stuff, and you were supposed to do something and you didn't. She's now dead, and you have the audacity to look at me and go, it's okay, people. Just believe, just have faith, and it'll be all right. But Jesus, all I'm doing right now is I'm looking at all my family who are wailing and grieving, I'm looking at my dead daughter. Notice that Jesus doesn't fill in the whole story when he tells Jairus, hey, hey, don't be afraid, just have faith. Notice how he doesn't tell Jairus how it's all going to pan out. And notice how he doesn't just go, hey, okay, this is, all right, so, champ, just come and sit down. All right, let me just talk to you for a second. Uh, just, you know, d- don't worry about it. Just have faith because this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to your house, and then we're going to see the dead body. And we're going to, everyone's going to be wailing, carrying on. We came out of the room, and then we're going to gather a few people in the room, and then we're going to pray. And then, like, she's not going to be dead anymore. It's going to be great. And you're going to be we're celebrating, high-fiving everywhere. We're going to party pop, It's going to be good times for everybody. See, the seasons we've gone through over these last couple of years have been hard. And I wonder if they've also been hard because we've not known why. And we've asked the question God, God, where are you? God, God, why? Where have you gone? See, if it's easy. If you're looking for easy, then this isn't the journey for you but because there's, there's something there's something about Jairus here that he never gives up in in these in over these moments over these last couple of years We've, we've all been tempted to give up. We've all been tempted to, to sit in our lament and let it overtake us. You know, and there has been. There's been people that have walked away, given up, and walked away from Jesus, and they've let the voices of uncertainty, the voices of isolation, the voices of anxiety and fear and grief and everything, drown out the voice of Jesus who said and says, don't be afraid, just believe. See, Jesus doesn't explain his statement because sometimes Jesus wants to see what we're made of. See, until we realize our need for Jesus and the supremacy of Jesus, we will always look for an easy road out. And we will eventually, if we just continue to look for an easy road out, easy road out, eventually we will just give up. I mean, imagine that moment I mean, imagine that moment if that was you. And and everyone's caught up in the celebration of of the woman with the issue of blood being healed. And yet in the middle of that word comes that your daughter is dead. See, Jairus could have walked off on Jesus. He could have just tapped out and gone, you know what, Jesus, that's great and whatever, but but it's just, that's it. He could have been shattered. He was shattered, the news of his daughter's death devastated at the loss, but whenever a little resistance, challenge, grief, uncertainty, and lament comes, Jesus wants to see how serious we are for him, how hungry we are for him. Whether we're willing to just hang up or hang in. Whether, whether we're willing to bow out of the race at the first sign of difficulty. And, and this is where Jairus was. Jairus is encountering resistance. His, his daughter dies. His heart's broken. There's, he's angry and confused, and he's hurting, and he's grieving. And Jesus seemingly doesn't say anything. I mean, Mark is the guy that gives all sorts of little tiny details, But he doesn't need give us any details of what happens from when the news comes and when Jairus and Jesus and the disciples land at Jairus' house. Because what we've got to realize is just because Jesus is silent in a situation doesn't mean he's absent from a situation. That although the journey that we go on has ups and downs in it, and it might be hard and it will be hard at times, Jesus. Knew, uh, sorry, Jairus knew that Jesus was the only one that could do what he needed. Some of us need to realize and be reminded again that Jesus is here right now. That Jesus was with you over these last couple of years of challenge and in the midst of the hard seasons that we find ourselves in. You know, last Sunday morning, we had the privilege of hearing a few different people's stories of, of what God's done in, through, in and through their lives since coming along to be part of this community. And we, I interviewed and we heard from one of the young families in a church, Natalie and Paul Morrison. And, and Nat courageously stood up here or sat up here and shared about their journey of going through 19 miscarriages. Like, I can't even begin to understand what any of that has been like and what that is like for them. And she courageously sat up here and she shared about their journey and the moments throughout the journey where they said, you know what, God, where are you in the midst of this? God, God, where did you go when we so needed you most? But Nat talked about the fact that through all the pain and the loss and the grieving... They found that there is a God who was there with them. This week, I had the privilege of sitting with another young couple as they shared about their experiences and brokenness of walking through the journey of miscarriage as well. And yet, how last Sunday, they they sat and they heard Nat's story that they know oh too well what that's like. And they were able to be encouraged through the story of Matt and Paul. That even through the grief and the loss and everything they've been through, that God was there for them. And that meant that maybe, just maybe, God could be there for them as well. And see, what I love about this story of Jairus is that he, before Jairus' daughter dies, there's a miracle that Jesus does which I wonder, I just wonder if that gave Jairus a little bit of courage to go, well, Jesus, if you can do it for her, Jesus, maybe you can do it for us. Jesus, if you can do a miracle for her, then maybe, just maybe, you can still do something for my daughter. But this isn't where the story ends. I invite the team up so we finish. See, this story ends... Verse 39, it it continues as it goes on. And he went in and said to them, this is Jesus, why all the commotion, the wailing? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Okay, that's one way to look at it. And they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the children's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And they went into where the child was. He took her by the hand. And Jesus said to this little girl, to Letha Kuma, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, immediately the, the girl stood up and began walking. Around. She was 12 years old. We live in a culture that's about comfort and control. Perhaps that's why, one of the other reasons why over these last couple of years, it's, we've found it so hard. Because things have seemed out of control and out of our comfort zone. And we've we've realized that that we can't save ourselves, that we can't fix the problem on our own, that that we don't have all the answers and that we thought it all hung on us, but we discovered that it doesn't. See, if the last couple of years have taught us anything, it's the good news is that we're not in control, but God is. That we've got to remember in the storms of life, in the sitting in our lament, in the sitting in our grief, and going through the journeys and the places and the, the spaces that we'll all go through, that God is present in our pain because God is in control. See, this is what Jairus experienced. And this is what we too can experience. So I want to finish with Psalm 46, verse 1. Psalm 46, verse 1 simply says this: God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. God is our refuge and strength. And ever present Present help in trouble. The God is our refuge and our strength. Our ever present help in trouble. The God is our refuge and our strength, church. Our ever present help in trouble. The God is our refuge and our strength. Our ever present help in trouble. The God is our river, our present. God is our refuge and our strength. Ever present help. Trouble. God is your refuge and strength and ever present help in your trouble. God is your refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. The God is my refuge and strength and ever present help. This morning, we've all carried loads. We've all gone through the ups and downs of the life. I know for some of you here this morning, that's your moment right now. You know uh, these moments where we we question and we wonder and we can ask the question, God, where? Ah, you, God, where did you go? But God says, "I'm your refuge and your strength, your ever-present help in trouble." So this morning, I just want to—I invite some people to just stand in a moment. Invite some of you this morning that you're walking through some seasons that you need God to remind not just your head but your heart and your spirit to remind you again that He is your refuge what's a refuge? it's a place you can go to for safety that He is your strength that He is your ever present help in this morning, I just invite you this morning. If you're in a place where you go, God, I, I, need, I need a moment because God, I've been asking, where are you? God, this morning you said, I'm here and I've always been here with you and I'm not going anywhere. You just need to reorientate your view back onto me and off your situation. So this morning, if you just... Need someone to lay a hand as we pray on you this morning as you walk through this season. Can I just invite you to stand? Will you stand with me this morning? Awesome. God, this is the season I'm in. Awesome. This is a place that I'm in. Gotta feel like no one sees and no one knows. God, I thank you that you do. Come on, who else is here this morning? And you're saying, God, I going through a tough place, and I need you Awesome. Hey, church, why don't we? See, the reality is, is God is most importantly with you guys. But God's also put you in the middle of a community. So can we just, why don't we just, if someone's standing near you this morning, why don't we stand up and just lay a hand? If they're not, why don't we just reach out to someone near us and say, hey, We want to say that we're physically with you as God is with you this morning. And at the back as well. Why don't we pray this morning? God, we thank you that you see and you hear. God, we thank you that you are our ever-present help in time of need. God, we thank you that even in loss, you were with Jairus. Even in the uncertainty, Jesus, you were there with him. And Jesus, in our loss, in our uncertainty, in our times of lament, God, you are still here with us. Holy Spirit, right now, I just want to pray, Lord, that you might feel afresh with your promise with hope (laughs) God they might know from the depths of their soul that maybe this situation might change but you are with them in the middle of everything they're going through Jesus I thank you that you are there you will be there And you will always be there. God, we thank you that that is our hope. Because you are our refuge and our strength. And our ever-present help in trouble. In Jesus' name. Hey, church, before we finish, we're going to stand and sing this song, Good, Good Father, a song that we sang earlier. Yeah, it's, it's, it might seem ironic that we're singing about a good, good father in the times of, you know, we're talking about lament and going through the challenges of life. This is our promise. Yeah, I, love the, I love the words of this song because it doesn't say he, he does good things, but it's who he is. You know, I love Melissa's leading early where she said, Hey, call to mind some things that you can be grateful for. Huh. See, for me that was that was really significant. Because the last couple of years and the seasons that I've been through and we have been through as a family, and the moments where it seemed so hard. There's moments where I've I've wondered whether I could keep going. I've been reminded time and time again of the goodness of God. You know one of the things that's helped me get through it? I'm looking at you all. There weren't the moments where I'm like, I don't know if I can keep going. I can keep doing another day, another Sunday. And I stand here with Friends and family, as we've all wrestled through this stuff together. You know, I recognize this morning that, that Joy and Deb were with us this morning. As Deb, la, uh, as, as Dez last Saturday passed away, I love this morning that they're in church, in their church. I love the fact this morning that in the middle of their challenge they're walking through today. They've got people around and they've got a community around them. It's going, you know what, we're here. What's got me through is I've had a bunch of people in our campus who have continued to lift my hands, continue to lift my arms and continue to lift my heads and remind me that our God is a good, good Father, regardless of how I'm feeling. So will you stand with me as we sing the words of this song? He is our good, good Father. It's not what He does, but it's who He is. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.